Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How does a company with $15 billion in revenue and 100,000 employees worldwide not have a corporate compliance program? What is the role of compliance in mergers and acquisitions? Matt Kelly and I take up these questions and others in the WPP Enforcement Action on Compliance Into the Weeds. I know you will enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, uh, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to take up the second uh, FCPA Enforcement Action of 2021, the WPP Enforcement Action. Uh, this follows the AMEC Foster Wheeler one earlier this year, and although we've definitely had a dearth of enforcement actions, we've had two delicious ones. Uh, so, Matt, first of all, welcome, and uh, we've both written about this case, but I wanted to start off by asking you to, why do you find this case so delicious? Oh, boy, where to begin with this one? Um, you know, so I think there are a couple of telling details and questions unanswered about WPP. First, the... Um, the enforcement action itself was $19 million imposed by the Securities and Exchange Commission for poor internal accounting controls. Out of the $19 million that they imposed in total, $8 million of that, which is 42% of the total, $8 million of that was a penalty. The rest was a disgorgement of ill-gotten gains and interest. We see that all the time. But we haven't often seen penalties that were such a large portion of the total. Uh, We should add $19 billion for WPP. This is the world's largest advertising firm. They had $15 billion in revenue last year. So it's not a lot of money, but in addition to coughing up all the profits they should never have made, I was intrigued that the SEC had this $8 million penalty. It seems to me that they were pretty annoyed with this action. Um, the action itself, listeners, don't die of shock, but this involved overseas subsidiaries and third-party intermediaries and false documentation and violation of policies. Oh, no, we've never heard that before. Uh, it Principally, the, the prime offender was in India, and we can get to that, but they also had uh, subsidiaries that were in Brazil and China and uh, Peru that also engaged in bribery where there were numerous red flags that should have been caught and were left unaddressed. Uh, the other thing that it did interest me was specifically about the India subsidiary where in the mid-2010s, some good-hearted whistleblower was providing complaints about the India subsidiary, a local WPP firm called Mindset, that had been bribing and setting up sham vendor agreements and all this stuff. But the whistleblower gave seven complaints over the course of two years to WPP's corporate office, and they mishandled the investigation into that. And these complaints were clear and specific, and they were naming actual names of both the Mindset CEO and the state governor in India who was involved in this. It was some sort of uh, media relations agency within Indian state governments, that was paying Mindset to 
execute media advertising campaigns, and there are all the usual third-party nonsense we can get into. Um, we do not know where is the Justice Department on this, because this is some pretty egregious ignoring of red flags. I would think that since the Justice Department could enforce against WPP, that maybe they would, but they haven't yet. We haven't seen any action or statement from Justice, so where are they? And then, Tom, my last interesting point about WPP is that a lot of this seems to be tied to the firm's strategy for growth, which was to grab local uh, self-founded um, small advertising firms around the world in high-risk markets. They would grab a small local advertising firm that had been founded and was still run by the founder. They would keep the founder on, give that founder an earn out, which is not at all uncommon. And for those who don't know, it's basically just a performance bonus. We've acquired your company. If it hits these targets in two or three years, we'll give you this much more as part of the purchase price. Uh, but it seems to me that the earnouts became this sort of weaponized incentive to commit fraud at these places. Uh, the subsidiaries were still run by these owners who basically were thinking, if I can commit fraud and corruption, I'm going to hit these performance targets, I'm going to get my earnout, and then I get to retire and ride off into the sunset. So I was curious to see how these earnouts and these incentive pay really got you know, warped and metastasized into this vehicle for bribery uh, or this incentive to commit bribery. And we could talk about that too. But there's a lot in this case, which at first glance doesn't seem like the biggest thing we've seen, but there's a lot of stuff in here. So I'd like to maybe take a step back, Matt, and start with uh, an early paragraph in the SEC order. And it said that despite the known corruption and fraud risk inherent in the acquisition strategy, WPP lacked sufficient internal accounting controls with respect to its expansive international network. Additionally, and here's the money shot, ladies and gentlemen, quote, WPP had no compliance department during the relevant period, end quote, and lacked meaningful coordination between its legal and internal audits and its foreign subsidiary management. Um, we don't know, there's no definition of the relevant period, so I don't know if that is uh, from 2010 up to 2019 when the last uh, bribery scheme was discovered, but Matt, I, I cannot remember an enforcement action over the last five years where there was no compliance department. We've seen insufficient compliance departments. We've seen compliance departments being overridden by corporate office. We've seen compliance functions. They don't talk to each other across geographic boundaries. But I don't recall ever seeing no compliance department during the relevant period over the last 10 years. Do you? I don't. And that was the thing that bugged me about this case. And we should, you know, there was another phrase you had just uttered there, Tom, that coordination or the lack thereof between legal and internal audit at WPP. So WPP had some like rudimentary compliance capabilities. Um, they had anti-corruption policies in Brazil, which the Brazil subsidiary violated. Uh, they found some red flags, such as the internal audit team found evidence of tax avoidance scams in China in a WPP subsidiary. Um, they could have taken some real action if they wanted, because mine said in India, which was, as I said, the prime offender there, somebody was reporting that misconduct to WPP, um, but there was no compliance function that could have picked up all of these 
compliance capabilities that were kind of laying around on the table and put them into a real program to be able to go to senior management and say, we have a big systemic issue here, and we need to investigate what's going on in Brazil, investigate China, knock this thing off with mindset in India. But there was nobody there to do that, so we had these spasms of compliance activity here and there that kind of burst out and then went away and flared out, and there was never really much much action. And the result is this unfortunate uh, settlement order with the SEC with a high portion of penalties because I think the SEC was annoyed at what was happening here. And there was just some, like they said, lots of red flags that just continued to flap in the breeze undisturbed because there was nobody there to say, this is a flag, we have to uh, address it. Matt, uh, there's lots of questions that this enforcement action uh, brought uh, up for me, and you named a couple of them where's the Department of Justice uh, and perhaps we can get to some of the others later. But I, I read a lot into the order by what was not present. And one of the things that was not present in the order was any discussion of pre-acquisition investigation and due diligence, post-acquisition integration, post-acquisition training, or even a full forensic audit after the uh, acquisitions were made. And so it seemed like... Uh, there was a complete lack of that compliance, uh, those steps of any sort of compliance program. But then, uh, as, you, as you noted, there were lots of red flags raised. They were raised in India. They were raised in China. They were raised in Brazil. And I was wondering, from uh, e- even with those red flags raised, the investigations undertaken by WPP uh, in many cases uh, fell far short of identifying any issues. What did you see in the, the red flags that were identified and really the lackadaisical or lackluster approach of WPP after the seven separate whistleblower, internal whistleblower reports in India and those in China? Well, I, I thought that the India one was the most telling. And so I'll talk a little bit about that. For example, the first complaint about the India subsidiary, which was, as I said, that firm mindset, uh, that arrived in July of 2015, and WPP had its financial director for the India region investigate this allegation. But what the director did was uh, he or she hired an international audit firm to please look into the matter which the audit firm did, but all that the audit firm did was rely on information provided by Mindset and the CEO. Uh, They gathered no other outside evidence, and so ultimately they passed that on up the food chain to the finance director and maybe his or her superiors, but nobody ever stopped the troubling relationship there between Mindset and a third party uh, that that was what it was there was they were there was a differential in the prices people were paying for contracts and subcontracts the differential funded the bribes and apparently all of this was laid out by the whistleblower who named the mindset CEO uh, six complaints later by the seventh complaint the this whistleblower was also naming the Indian government officials who were collaborating with the mindset CEO um, what finally happened in 2017 was that, WPP's legal department decided to take a look, and they hired a due diligence firm, which immediately found all sorts of overlap between the Mindset CEO and the state official. Um, They also had found email conversations between Mindset's CEO and CFO, 
on email that had been stored on WPP servers in the United States. So that information had been right there under WPP's nose, and they did not look at that. The The investigation, apparently from 2015 and 16 into 2017, a lot of it was just, oh, well, you know, we asked Mindset, and they said it's fine, so whatever. I, I guess that's what happened uh, until the legal department finally brought in the relevant expertise and right away found the smoking gun evidence on WPP's own email servers. So, like, you could have done that years before, and you didn't. And that, to me, sp- spoke volumes about the lack of a serious investigation into this. Um, that's the sort of thing that I would suspect regulators would frown upon. Certainly, it looks like the SEC frowned upon it. Uh, Tom, I'm going to plead ignorance here. I did not read the China one that closely. I do know that the internal audit team looked in, found what I think was a tax avoidance of some kind. I don't necessarily know all the details, if you want to fill in the listeners, but I'm. It, what's striking here is that there were all of these clues and an ability to find all this stuff if you just took it seriously and you looked. And at least in India, they didn't for far too long. Right. And in, in China, we had an equally uh, egregious situation where an internal audit in 2017 determined that the uh, Chinese unit was employing a tax avoidance scheme and other significant violations of WPP's accounting uh, controls to the point where uh, the internal auditors informed uh, WPP management that the China business unit could face criminal charges for its tax avoidance scheme. Uh, This was coupled with the China business unit CEO... Uh, working through personal social connections uh, to get to the Chinese uh, appropriate Chinese tax authority director uh, in an attempt to, quote, control the direction of the tax audit. And then finally, and this is something we haven't really seen in terms of a red flag, Matt, was that uh, the audit team actually interviewed the Chinese official after a favorable tax ruling came back, and by favorable, I mean they were uh, relieved of some $3 million uh, potential dollars of tax liability, they interviewed the Chinese tax authority director, and he could give no reason, uh, no basis in Chinese law and, and any facts as to um, the re- uh, relieving of the tax obligations. And that was uh, cited as a red flag. We've, we've really not seen that before in an enforcement action. So once again, lots going on. And I think, as you said, Matt, in Peru, the only reason they discovered the bribery scheme there was uh, in an unrelated audit uh, or an unrelated investigation. And somehow that, that scheme came out because they were using uh, subsidiaries from other countries uh, to get around the internal controls. So uh, lots of creative internal control jumping. But um, as you said, uh, about as strongly as I've seen you say in your blog post, uh, these red flags were were not present. They were being wagged in the face of management. And management either chose to ignore them, didn't see them, or, or something else. Uh, really, any kind of thoughts around those areas? We'll be right back with Matt's answer after a word from our sponsor. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 
Six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It really is something. Well, you know, it, it gets back to, like I said, basic compliance capabilities and putting them to good use. Um, I especially liked the details about the Peruvian subsidiary that was brokering bribes with the construction firm for the mayor of Lima. But, they, I mean, funneling them through other WPP subsidiaries in Chile and Colombia, I mean, right away, any person worth their salt would have said, why are... Why is a Peruvian client working with Chilean and Colombian subsidiaries when we have a business for them in Peru? And it's just it's elementary stuff. Um, so it really does just speak to the greater corporate culture that I suspect uh, WP either condoned or maybe they just never explained to local uh, founders that you know, you have to pay attention to all of this. Um, you know, I, I know that WPP and its senior managers have had some other issues about business conduct flare up from time to time. Um, it's just, it, it was a lot of growth over the 2010s, and this was the sort of stuff that they did not invest in a compliance infrastructure to keep pace with the risks that were proliferating there. Now, did they not know that they should boost up the compliance? Did they not care that they should boost up the compliance program? Now, I'm not going to say. I'm not really sure. But that's what it was. It was hyper growth and a lot of pressure to hit targets and not any investment in the compliance function to keep all of that from going off the rails, which ultimately is exactly what happened. Sir Martin Sorrell led y, or excuse me, WPP up until 2018 when he retired and he gave a statement to the Financial Times which said, quote, I had no part or involvement in the settlement between the SEC and WPP. My personal commitment to compliance and controls during almost 50 years of value creation has been rigorous and remains so. I note that there have been terminations of only senior executives and other employees at YPP involved in the misconduct as a consequence. I left WPP as a good lever, as its statement of April 14, 2018, made clear. Matt, when I first thought that, I initially thought, you know, Richard Nixon would have been proud of this statement. That's the greatest non-denial denial I have ever seen. But upon further reflection, uh, he goes even beyond Tricky Dicky uh, because uh, he makes clear that uh, the people who uh, were in the know uh, above the frontline people doing it um, weren't touched. And he said it's only uh, senior executives and other employees involved in the misconduct. So there's no consequence, apparently, for more senior management. Now, perhaps that's not the role of the SEC. Um, But that leads to maybe a series of questions we can end with uh, and we talked about kind of where is the DOJ on this, but um, <clears throat> number one, how on earth did WPP avoid a monitor? Because at least of 2018 or maybe even 2019, 
they sure were not committed or had the value of compliance. And I don't know how you take a company that was um, running this lax and internal control system and turn them around $15 billion. Uh, it's still $15 billion, and 100,000 people is a lot of people uh, that you have to, uh, that's a huge ocean-going yacht uh, that you have to turn. And I don't know how you can do that um, really without a monitor. So really, any thoughts on the monitor issue? I mean, I would expect that if the Justice Department acts on this, then we should ask that question. If I don't know that the SEC particularly would assign a monitor to a settlement. And, the, I mean, the greater question is we don't know that the DOJ has moved on from this or they're still looking at it or what this resolution might be. Um, but I am struck that really this is the sort of misconduct that is tailor-made for the Justice Department to weigh in and do something um, clearly they were ignoring whistleblowers. Um, I am surprised that, uh, there wasn't any allegations of retaliation. So maybe there will be in some other future enforcement action from DOJ if we see it, but it was more like, you know, read through the guidance, you know, the guidance about having an effective compliance program. I like, they didn't have one. They didn't, they literally did not have a compliance program. I am hard pressed to see how you can satisfy the expectations of the Justice Department on a compliance program when you don't have one to begin with. And this was a huge company for many years. They certainly should have. I mean, here was Martin Sorrell saying that, of course, he took it so seriously. Um, whatever. I mean, you can say whatever you need to to make yourself feel better. But clearly, the evidence is they weren't taking it seriously. So I, I don't know where the Justice Department is on this. Maybe they're going to have a separate uh, action on their own. Uh, I'm curious that typically for egregious cases, and this wasn't a huge one, but it was egregious for what it was. In egregious cases, as I recall, Tom, you know, we would see the DOJ and SEC announce these things together, and we haven't. Maybe they are working with the Serious Fraud Office, since WPP is headquartered in London and listed in New York as well. So maybe the SFO is still putting together a case, and there's going to be some sort of joint action here. Um, I would be really puzzled if there isn't some sort of further step from DOJ plus others. Uh, and we'll have to wait and see. Well, that really brings up uh, the next question that uh, I wanted to uh, deliciously explore with you, Matt. And that is, where is the SFO? WPP is a Jersey incorporated company. Now, there's U.S. jurisdiction because they have shares uh, they have ADR shares, so there's no question that there's U.S. jurisdiction. Additionally, and it's specifically pointed out in the SEC order, uh, emails uh, detailing the bribery scheme were held on American servers, and that's enough uh, to create U.S. jurisdiction as well. But, I mean, this is a U.K. company, and where is, you know, why isn't the SFO involved? As you suggested, perhaps they're working with the Department of Justice, but this seems to me to be a tailor-made case for the serious fraud office under the uh, the UK Bribery Act. Is well, Tom, maybe they're stuck on the M5 highway outside of London and they ran out of gas since they have no gas in London at the moment. Um, but I, no, I don't know. And this would be another of a series of unfortunate, you know, incidents with the SFO. That it's now at this point they've got a reputation of not really being able to close big cases and big deals. And if they ignore this 
or I don't know, the WPP takes it to trial or something like that, or a, a judge in the British system uh, strikes down whatever the SFO might be trying to do, I think that would just be one more black eye in a series of punches that the SFO has taken over the last, you know, 10 years or so. Um, but again, like, how could you not have an action against this? Um, this wasn't really just any sort of run-of-the-mill ineptitude. I mean, there were there was clear, specific, compelling allegations of serious misconduct happening, and they didn't do anything about it. And I... So I suspect we have not heard the end of this. I don't know who we're going to hear it from, but at the least, you know, somebody somewhere from DOJ or SFO, if they're not going to take any action, geez, they should really tell the rest of us, what are you thinking about why you wouldn't? Um, I see what the the SEC has done. There were a lot of weak accounting controls here that, you know, that needed some attention. To a certain extent, maybe that is the easier thing to bring forward if there was a lot of evidence there. I I don't know, but it's a very interesting question. Where are the criminal prosecutors in this case? Uh, so let me uh, pose yet another question, Matt. Uh, there's nothing in the SEC order which would indicate how the SEC was made aware of these uh, allegations. Uh, there is no report of a whistleblower. There is no... A report that the company self-disclosed. Uh, it's completely silent. In the uh, near the end uh, the as of the order, the SEC said it considered the remedial acts undertaken by YPP and the cooperation it afforded to uh, the SEC as well. Once again, uh, no mention of self-disclosure. So, uh, really, any thoughts around how this may have gotten? Is it? One of the seven whistleblowers or the person who whistle blew seven times? Is there somebody overseas getting a big uh, whistleblower award out of this? Uh, anything either between the lines or that your own uh, research has uncovered? Uh, my own research has uncovered nothing other than, as you said, they don't actually disclose how they heard about this. Uh, I will say that if the maximum whistleblower payout from the SEC is 30%, then 30% of $19.1 million would be $5.73 million. So someday, a year or two down the road, if we hear about a mystery whistleblower who wins a $5.7 million award, I would not be surprised at that. Um, clearly, this whistleblower or whistleblowers, in India at least, whomever they were, they were being ignored. I could certainly see those persons being frustrated and saying, I'm just going to take it to the law and see what happens. But no, I, they, they are notably silent on how they figured this out. And the, the words voluntary self-disclosure did not come up when you search for that in the SEC orders. You know, that brings up another point that we, we might explore as well, Matt. Uh, we both talked about the number of whistleblower reports made to WPP management. What we don't know is if it was a single whistleblower multiple times or multiple whistleblower single single times or a combination thereof. But uh, when you have seven separate reports, as the SEC order noted, with increasing specificity uh, down to naming of names and positions, it seems you have a highly motivated employee at least in terms of internal reporting, and if it's one whistleblower with seven separate reports, that's a pretty dedicated whistleblower before they might go to the government. That is, and I mean, it speaks to me, I would interpret that as there's one or maybe a small group, like a small team, 
that were dedicated to trying to do the right thing here. And I, I feel bad for whoever this whistleblower or whistleblower group were or was or is, if they're still with the company, but clearly they were trying to do the right thing by WPP. That is the sort of uh, employee that you want on staff, and here the company repaid them by ignoring them for two years. Um, so that is a sad statement. Well, Matt, uh, I suspect we're going to revisit WPP, uh, whether or not there's an SEC, excuse me, a DOJ or SFO enforcement action, uh, just because, uh, as with Emek Foster Wheeler, this one really is delicious and lots to talk about. Uh, That is true, Tom. Thank you. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Wheat. Both Matt and I have written about the WPP case and I've linked to both of our blog posts in the show notes. We've got a new exciting podcast out on the Compliance Podcast Network, if you haven't checked it out, Effing Argentina, where along with my co-host Greg Greenberg, the author of Effing Argentina, we take up 11 tales of exasperation of modern American life. Also, I'm pleased to announce an exciting new podcast series, Design Thinking and Compliance, where together with my co-host Karsten Tams, We take up the issue of social engineering and the use of design thinking to improve your compliance program. Design thinking and compliance premieres in October of 2021. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into compliance into the weeds. Compliance into the weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.